for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Please take your seats. It's great to see you all this lovely day. <laughs> okay, right. We're going to uh, look at Psalm chapter 3 this morning, Psalm chapter 3, and if you can put your finger there and also put your finger in, if you've got a Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 15, 2 Samuel chapter 15, and uh, we're going to look at both of those scriptures, and uh, the great thing is when you open God's Word, God speaks. It's whether we listen is the question. Because every time you open God's word, he says, it won't return to me void. So somebody in this room is going to get a word from God. And all of us can get a word from God, but it depends whether you've got your listening ears on and whether you, the soil of your life is willing to receive all that God has for us. So let's look at Psalm chapter 3, and then we'll read some verses, just a few verses, or a couple of verses, I think, from uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15. But first of all, Psalm chapter 3. The writer's David, and he's fleeing from Absalom, his son. And it says, David says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. (laughs) Anybody identify with that? Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. (laughs) But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awake, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of tens of thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And then that little word at the end there, Selah. And we're going to be speaking about that in a second. And then some verses from Second Samuel And this is the story that David is writing the psalm about, and it's 2 Samuel chapter 15, and uh, we're just going to read a couple of verses. I'd love to read the whole uh, two or three chapters here, and I would strongly ask you to read it in your own devotions or your afternoon when uh, you're sitting at home wondering what you're going to do with yourself. Have a look at those verses, or those chapters around 2 Samuel chapter 15. Amazing, amazing story. But we're just going to take a couple of verses. Verse 13. Now a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom, his son. 
and uh, verse 30. So David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went up. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a, in a second. Uh, but the, the title of this morning, and I always uh, give uh, uh, <laughs> Will uh, a title that I'm going to look at. And I always wonder what, I never really look around and see what he's actually accomplished. But I was wondering what he, what he would do with Selah. Because that's what we're going to look at this morning. Pause and reflect. And uh, that's what its main meaning is. It also means to praise. It's mentioned 71 times, I think, in the Psalms, and also three times in the book of Habakkuk. I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach on that little word, Selah. Uh, But it's a very important word. It means pause and reflect on what has just been said. So in Psalm chapter 3 that we read, David's making a statement For instance, in verses 1 and 2, he's saying, God, I am in trouble. And it's not just trouble, it's big trouble. And there's so many people against me, Lord. And they're saying God's not coming to help him. And uh, in 2 Samuel 15, he tells about it in great detail. Then he says, that little word, or that's there, pause and reflect, Selah. Well, I don't like always pausing and reflecting on negative situations. I tend to not want to do that. But in the Bible there, it says, Selah. So he says, Lord, they've increased to trouble me. Many people are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there's no help for him in God. Selah. Pause and reflect. <laughs> you ever done that? Two o'clock in the morning, you wake up. And you think and you pause and you reflect. You have that sila moment and you begin to think of, oh Lord, many are against me. <laughs> Every situation seems to be against me. And it always seems worse, doesn't it, at two o'clock in the morning. And yet that little word is there, sila. I think life generally has lived at such a pace that actually it's almost like our minds wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning because we haven't given it a minute all day to pause and reflect. And uh, we had a meeting the other, day, night, other night there, Sue and I, and I asked the folks in the little group that we were meeting, I said, how was your day? And they looked at each other and had to have a think. They had, it was the first time they had paused and reflected on how their day had been. They, they didn't have a clue. They, they just rushed through the day, rushed to the meeting, sat down, and I said, how was your day? And they went, eh, I, I don't know. Well, that was like a sila moment. They were pausing and reflecting on what had just happened, say, in the last 12 hours or so. Because life can be crazy. It can be frantic. It can be so busy. It's full on. It really is full on, whether you're retired or whether you're working or whether you're really working with kids at home or whether you're doing both or or whatever, it is full on. It's pressurized and we have limits, time limits and consequences of any failures that you make with that time limit that you've been given. 
And soon I again met someone during the week who <laughs> we were just going to park our car and we met this lady and her daughter and they had one of those horrible things that you hate when you come back to your car and you see it on the windscreen, that yellow penalty notice. Doesn't your heart just sink? And then anger begins to rise up and then you look for justification of why you should never have had it. Well, all those things were happening with this lady just in 30 seconds uh, <laughs> talking to Sunai. And uh, it caused Sunai to have a Sila moment because we'd just driven into the car park and parked right next to her. And I saw this ticket and I thought, oh, you don't usually see a ticket here because it's one of those camera ones, you know. So you don't usually see a ticket. That's unusual. And then immediately she walked up with her daughter and uh, she said, that's not for me. <laughs> I thought, it's not for me either. And, and she said, so she opened it and it was her registration and, and it, was, it certainly was for her. And uh, that caused Sue and I to have a Sila moment because I got in the car and drove off because it was a car park where we normally get a couple of hours free and, and then dash back and drive off and there's no parking fees, being a good Scotsman, and, and everything's hunky-dory. You know, you're all wondering what car park this is, isn't it? You're thinking, I'm going to avoid that one. Well, it's where the, the um, blockbuster used to be. You know that one? Well, you know, it used to, we... we Sort of, and then when I looked at the thing, I thought, yeah, you probably were right to get a ticket because it said for patrons of the shops only. Well, I had a tendency to go in, dash into town, dash back, and uh, drive off and never go near any of the shops. And obviously, they've cottoned on to this. <laughs> so beware, Sila. <laughs> and uh, boy, she was mad. <laughs> but, <laughs> and in talking of cars, have you ever driven to a place? And you got there, and then you say to yourself, I can't remember driving here. Have you ever done that? Or is it just me? No, it's not. Good. You sort of, you know, you drive to church, and you think, look back, you think, you start to pause and reflect, you think, I don't even remember going through the motions of driving. It's frightening, isn't it? It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And I'm I'm so grateful for those of you who are honest, who actually said, yeah, that's me too. uh, Because I was beginning to wonder that it was just me. (laughs) Um, But we can miss, we can not have the Sila moment. We can stop pausing and reflecting. And we actually miss all the signposts in life the signpost in the car park, or whatever it is, and not realize that we're on a journey, and we're going somewhere, and God's working in our life, and and he's got a destination, and then when we get there, we think, I can't remember anything about God bringing me here. Stopping to reflect and pressing, pressing, as I would say, the pause button is wisdom. It really is wisdom because it helps you make sure that you're going in the right, to the right place and you're going in the right direction. Sometimes, so we'll, go up, we'll go up a grade now from driving to a place and you don't, don't, know, don't remember getting there. Have you ever driven to a place and think, this isn't where I wanted to go? So I, <laughs> have you done that too? It's, it's all the mums who are identifying with me. That's a bit worrying. But then, <laughs> but I've, I've driven to church, say. I don't mean this morning, but I mean just in during the week. And I've driven down here. I thought, oh, I don't want to come here. I was going into town. Why did I come here? Because my mind is on so many different things like yours, and you're not reflecting and pausing and thinking, where am I going? 
So I head into town and without being, or head, in, head here and think, I don't, I'm going to the bank, I'm not going to church. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. It's because I'm working automatically. I'm thinking of the next issue, the next problem, where I'm going after the bank, blah, 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 and the next thing you know, you're in the wrong place. If you're going to succeed in your future, you have to, from time to time, pause and reflect on your past. It's like when you're watching a program or a film on TV, and I'm sure you all do it, uh, you can pause it. I do this with Susan. I pause it if I ever get control of the remote control. I never get control. You know that, that, you know that I call it the flicker. I know what you call it, the remote control. Susan guards that like it's the crown jewels. And I bet you there's one in every family who gets a remote control, and it's, yes, they're all pointing to each other. It's a, it's a power thing, isn't it? I'm going to control, control what's going on in here. Well, I, sometimes if I can get my hand on that remote control, I'll press that pause button, and I'll say to Susan, what is going on? What is happening in this film? What, what's, have I missed something? Which generally, usually I have. And Susan's quite good at working out what's going on and the, the, the whole deal. And I'm thinking, who's the bad guy? Who, 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 why is he? You know, and so, does anybody else do that? No. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Sandy does it. I rest, I rest my case. <laughs> Someone once said, life can only be un- understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And to understand, you see, life and, and just generation after generation has a habit of repeating itself gets a little bit more sophisticated, the problems and the issues are dressed up in different ways, but generation after generation and after generation and after generation face the same issues. And David in Psalm 3 is fleeing from Absalom, his son. He's got a family issue, a family problem, a huge problem. And as I say, the story is in Samuel 15, so please have a read of that. And he's having to escape from Jerusalem, and he's taking his servants and his people with him. Verse 17, and the king went out with all the people after him and stopped at the outskirts, and all his servants went before him. And David was taking a sila moment. He was taking stock. If you read it in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17, the king went out, the people with him, and he stopped, and all his servants and everyone who was with him walked past him. And he was having a pause and reflection moment, a sila moment. And what was he doing? He was looking what he had. He was thinking to himself, what have I got? Who have I got? What have I not got? With these people, is it, have I got loyalty? Have I got strength? What do I need? What do I, who do I not need? He was taking stock of his situation. He's been chased out of Jerusalem, hounded out. He's on the run. Can you imagine? But he stopped in the middle of all that panic, in the middle of all that fear, He stopped and he began to think, what have I got? 
Who have I got? And you know, whatever your issue is, whatever your problem is, life has a habit of just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing you, almost like it's time to force you over the cliff of life. And God says, take a sila moment and pause and reflect who's for you, who's not for you, who's against you, who's for you. What have you got? What resources have you got? What skills, what abilities have you got? What have you not got? And that's what David was doing. He was on the run, but he wasn't running so fast that he didn't have time to stop and think. And what David did is what we need to do. Because back in Psalm chapter 3, verse 3, David is taking stock and he says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. You see, David was taking stock at who was for him and who was against him, what circumstances were for him, what circumstances were against him. And he had thought it through, and he looked at it, bad news as it were. He had his seal a moment, and he realized there's a bad side to this, there's a, there's a negative side to this. But then he went on, and he looked at the positive. He says, oh Lord, you are a shield for me. So he looked at the many who were against him, and he looked at the single one who was for him. And I think often we concentrate on the many if we do pause and think, oh, I've got this bill, I've got that bill, those persons, that person, that boss, that relationship. And we think of all the many, but we fail to think of the one who's your shield, who's your glory, who lifts up your head and will never leave you nor forsake you. And it says in 2 Samuel 15 verse 30, David went up the up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, that was the holy hill, and he wept as he went up, and all the people went with him and were weeping, and David came, David came to the top of the mountain and worshipped God. It is possible for you to be mourning and weeping and have all the bad news and everybody against you and still worship God. <laughs> people often say, I can't come to church because I'm just going through a bad time at the moment. That's the time to come. I don't, feel, I don't feel worthy to come to church. Well, join the queue. There's a whole queue of them coming in every Sunday who are not worthy. And David was weeping. And the people who were for him were weeping. Because people who follow you do what you do. And they were weeping what they had lost. But if you read further on in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and go on to chapter 16, you'll find he climbed the mountain, he worshipped, and then the supplies and the refreshment came from God. There is a close link between worship and praise and supply that God wants to give you. Very close bond. And in Psalm 3 verse 5, he says, The Lord sustained me. When you pause and you reflect, when you worship God, when you go up the holy hill, wherever that is in your house or workplace or street or up the lane or wherever that holy hill is, the Lord will sustain you. He will. He'll find a way to get to you what you need. And so in verse 6, David says, 
I will sleep and not be afraid. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people. Well, I don't know how many people are against you, but you don't have ten thousands, I dare to suggest. Not even, not even I've got ten thousands against me. <laughs> uh, he had tens of thousands against him who had set themselves against him, his own son against him. And they had made it their goal in life to destroy David. And that's what they were out to do. If you look at verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise against me. Verse 2, many are they who say there's no help for him in God. Then in verse 6, Psalm 3, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have said that. That was the many. But then in verse 3, he identifies the one. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one. You only need the one. That's all you need is the one. Verse 8, salvation, the one, belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. Think about that. The reason we have the Bible, the reason we have these stories and these illustrations is God wants you to pause and reflect how good he is to his people and what happened to people who followed him and what happened to people who didn't follow him. He wants you to see that you can be a man after God's own heart and fail. You can be a man after God's own heart and people are after you and people are against you and people don't understand you and they think you're different and they think you're weird and your wife says, stop doing these ridiculous dances, please. And he says, I can be even more ridiculous and outrageous than this if you really push me. (laughs) You understand? God wants you to see that. He, can, he, he wants to show you that you can come back from an error. You can come back from a problem. And you can certainly make the great decisions that his people made. Selah. Think. Pause. Reflect on your own life. You might not be being chased out of Preston. You might not be being chased out of the UK. You might not have your son trying to kill you. You might not have tens of thousands of people against you, but the principles are still true. We have to face the issue. And that's what he did in verse 1. Lord, they've increased who troubled me. I've gone from a few to many. Many are rising against me. Many are saying, you won't help me. He didn't bury his head in the sand. Oh, everybody loves me. No, they don't, David. David, they're chasing you out of town. Selah. And so he thinks, and he pauses, and he thinks it through. Let me just see who is against me. Why, is it, why are they chasing me? That's the negatives, Lord. I'm not going to try and pretend they don't exist. I'm going to identify what the issue is. And now that I've identified the problem, and I've thought about it, I'm going to start stating truth over it. You, O Lord, are a shield for me. It doesn't matter if it's one 
or 5,000, or 10,000, or 100,000, or a million, or 10 million people against me. I just need the one. And you just need the one. Because he's your shield, he's your glory, and he will lift up your head. And so when David was coming out of Jerusalem, he stopped and he lifted up his head and let all the men pass by and reflected who's against him, who's for him, who's for you, who's against him. Did God be for you? He thought to himself, well, who's going to be against me? I've got the one. No weapon formed against me will prosper because I have the one. There's people out there, there's situations out there who are trying to form against you. <laughs> it's not, no point trying to think, oh no, it's not, everybody's my friend. No, there is situations, it might, it might not be people in Preston, it might be people elsewhere, it might not be even be a person, but you have an enemy. If you're trying to follow Jesus, you have an enemy. But no weapon formed, which means they will be tried to be formed, formed against you will prosper. So David says in Psalm 3, he did what any good man does when he thought all that through. Verse 5, he lay down and slept. (laughs) Have Have you ever been up during the night worrying about something? And you think it through, and you think through all the negatives, and then you, you have that sealer moment there, and then you start to think of, yeah, hang on a minute, there's some truth here I need to be repeating and speaking and even worshiping with and praising God with, and you think all that through, and then you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to bed. Why am I, why am I up at three o'clock in the morning not being able to sleep? I am going to bed. You ever thought that? Yeah, some of you. <laughs> You see, there comes a moment you think, I've weighed up what I've got for me, but I've weighed up the one who is for me. And weighed up, sorry, what's against me, but I know who I've got for me. I'm not pretending the issue's not there, but let's speak some truth over this issue. And that's what he did when he was coming out of Jerusalem. And then he said, right, that's it, I'm going to have a sleep. Yeah, there comes a moment when you have to say to yourself, really? Whatever the problem is, or whoever the, the person is, who are you? Like, who are you? Because some people will try and make like they've got power over your life and power over your situation. If you don't do this, then I'm going to do that. They have no power. No power. They can only do what God allows them to do. And whether the answer is yes or whether the answer is no, you win. In God's sight. And in God's provision, you win. David says, I serve the one true God. He says, okay, arise, O Lord, save me, O God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's like he's got a huge resource of salvation. And he wants to come and save you. He wants to come and save your soul. But he also wants to come and save you in your situation and with your issues, and with your relationships. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring salvation. And many of us face troubles and difficulties, and many people say, I don't know what it is about your God, and you're going to church. That's not going to save you. That's what's going to save you. We have to pause, and we have to reflect, and realize accusation comes from the enemy. Provision comes from God. 
And you can say, God, you are my shield. You are my glory. You are the one who lifts me. You are the one who hears me. So for, in order for you to get into the habit of saying these things, I want you to repeat after me so that your, yourself can hear, your ears can hear what your voice is saying. Okay, you up for that? Yeah, okay. And I want you to speak it over your situation and the problems that have been coming to your mind when I've been speaking. Maybe a person, maybe a relationship, maybe a situation, maybe a bank account. Whatever it is, I want you to say this after me. Number one, God, you are my shield. God, you are my shield. Number two, God, you are my glory. God, you are my glory. Number three, God, you are the one who lifts me. God, you are the one who lifts me. Number four, God, you are the one who hears me. God, you are the one who hears me. That's truth. That's truth. He is your shield. He is your glory. He wants to lift you. He does hear you. You're never speaking to the ceiling. You're always speaking to the throne room of God. Always. So get out of your valley and come up the mountain with David. That's what he did. He headed up the mountain. Because up the mountain, up in the holy hill, up where God is, that's where your answer is. The answer that you're seeking That's where your answer is. You see, I always say, don't I, God knew you in eternity. And one day you'll go back to him. And during this life, right from the beginning, I I wasn't born married. I I was there with my mum, and she gave birth to me, and I was on my own. And God birthed me into this, whatever it is that we are experiencing, life. And so, from the beginning, and then you, you meet friends at school, and then you meet people at high school, at college, university, and then you meet the one, and then you live your life with them, and then there's issues and problems, everything along the way, and then eventually, not to be too uh, negative, there comes a time when you're back on your own. And you hope that's a long time away. But eventually, unless something tragic happens with you together, you're on your own. You understand? So you're born on your own, and you go through life and you die on your own, and you go back to the one who put you here. And he's going to ask some questions. What did you do regarding my son? Because sometimes you're born, and then when you do come to Christ, it's like you hear him, and you think, I recognize that voice, but it's someone I've never met. But actually, when you come to Christ and you accept God into your life and you start to live for him, all you've done is reconnect the relationship that you had in eternity. Isn't that amazing? I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And all of this life, subconsciously, we're waiting to hear a voice. 
We, we don't know we're seeking that voice, but there's an empty void and we're waiting for that voice to come. And then someone preaches the gospel or someone shares what Jesus has done for us and suddenly that voice comes resounding to us and we think, I know that. And somehow I know that. And I know I should know that, but I don't know how. I don't know how I should know it, but I should know it. So we're born into this world alone, and we're born into the kingdom of God alone. I don't know how I get into that, but maybe it's for someone here this morning. God has placed you here, and nothing happens by accident. The pain, the trouble, the disagreements, the celebrations, the successes, nothing just happens happens. And so David was going through this pain and this difficulty with Absalom and everything else. He had men for him, men against him, men who were loyal, men who were disloyal. He had family for him, family against him. And that's true in life. One day people will be for you. Next day you'll just be the worst thing ever. People will betray you. People will leave you. People will disappoint you. They'll appoint you, then they'll dis you. They'll disappoint you. Don't be excited when they appoint you, and don't be too disappointed when they get rid of you. People are people. The same ones who cried Hosanna were crying, crucify him, a few days later. People are fickle. But there's one person who'll never leave you, and never forsake you. The one who's got the salvation wrapped up for you, for your situation. It's not in other people's hands. God's blessing, the verse says, is on you. It's not going to be on you. It says, is on you. David was on the run. Maybe you're on the run, running from your destiny. You may think you're failing, but in God's eyes, you're running towards success. Even the prodigal who left home, he was running towards success. Because the father knew, the father, I don't mean the father, the physical father, knew he was coming back. So he was running away. I'm getting out of here. I'm having nothing to do with this. Give me my money. I'm going to spend it. I'll do what I want. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. God must have said, blah, 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 blah. And then one day, through his circumstances and his pain, and everything else, he comes wandering back up the road. Lord, uh, Father, I'm not worthy. Oh, yeah. And God thinks, now we've got the right son. Now we're getting some success. God says, my blessing is on you. Despite your current situation, despite what you think you believe or you don't believe, my blessing is on you is on you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? You can be a right plonker, (laughs) a right idiot, make sorts of all sorts of just ridiculous decisions. And God says, my blessing is on you. So start living the truth. The truth is the blessing is on you. Oh, if God would just do this, if God would just do that, if God would just give me this, if God would just give me that. No, no, you have to start living that the blessing is on you. 
So get up the mountain and get the reward that he wants to give you because it's waiting there for you. So spend time alone and think and reflect and plan and restore and replace what the world steals from you. You see, if you fill yourself up at the beginning of the day with God, you'll find that by the end of the day, you're depleted because the world will slowly take everything out of you. But you constantly have got to refuel and refill and build up your resources. You cannot live continually giving out, otherwise you get depleted. And life will rape and it will pillage you and it will deplete you and take everything out of you and you've always got to be replenishing your stock in your life. Sometimes we live as Christians, don't we? We try and give and give and give and a wing and a prayer and everything else and God blesses some of that. But sometimes he'll let us go so depleted that you realize I have got to get up that mountain by myself and go back to the one who's for me and start to fill myself back up again. So often we're watching Instagram, we're watching Facebook, we're watching Twitter, and we're comparing their best day with our worst day. (laughs) And we wonder why we get depressed. You know, I'm off to Honolulu, I'm off here, I'm off here, I'm off to Preston, you know. (laughs) Understand that we compare their best with our worst. And social media will inspire you and it will also depress you. It can inspire you because you can think to yourself, well, if they can have it, I can have it. If they can go there, I can go there. If God can bless them, he'll bless me. That's inspire. By depress, uh, I I mean, you're looking at what they've got and saying to yourself, I'll never have that. Well, you never will have that if you keep saying you never have that. I'll never get there. I'll never be there. I'll never accomplish that. God says, no, 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 no. Have a sila moment and realize who's for you. And really, if he's for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. And even if you feel lonely at times, loneliness can be your friend. The older I get, (laughs) he says, I'll tell you this, I like to be alone. It's almost like I've got comfortable in my own skin. I have to really discipline myself because I could sit up in that office of mine for hour after hour after hour. And Susan will phone me up and say, what are you doing up there? And you just, you know, do you have anybody like that? Well, don't, don't put your hand up because your partner might not like it. But I just want to be alone. I just want some peace. I remember my parents used to say, my mom used to say, just give me some peace. And I used to say, a piece of what? And, <laughs> and, and, but really, the older I've got and the more I've gone on with God, what I really want is a piece of God. And so I can hang out with God in my office, and it's just him and me, and I get a sense of what he's doing. And you know, God's not, I take this the right way, he's not religious. Do you know what I mean? He's not religious. He is holy, but he's not holy in the way we think holy. Does that make sense? He's normal. He's normal. He's normal. He's also abnormal. (laughs) But I I don't want to misrepresent what I'm saying. What I'm saying is 
He's your, he's your Lord and he's your Savior and he's the most high God. No problem with that. But he's also your best friend. He's just your best friend. And when life comes against you, you think it hurts you. But it hurts him a lot more. Because he knows that you have the answer, but you're not accessing the answer. He wants to give you the answer, but we're not going to him for the answer. Okay, I'm nearly finished. This old story, and it is an old story, the real thing I want to get across to you this morning and the thing to pause and reflect and praise for, because that's another meaning of Selah, is you will not fail when God is on your side. You will not fail when God is on your side. Even if you think you're failing, you will not fail when God is on your side. Even if people say, well, you're a failure, you will not fail when God is on your side. So over your situation, over whatever pain, problem in your life, you need to realize, you need to understand, you will not fail when God is on your side. Selah. Think on. Pause and reflect on that and praise God that you're on the winning side. Father, I thank you for your love and your compassion on us. We are your children. We are your children. You've brought us in. You've redeemed us. All we had to say was yes. And you took us. And we reconnected with the God of the universe. The eternal God. The God that we once knew in eternity. We now know in this physical world that we call earth. Thank you, Father. We heard your voice. We recognized your voice. And we reconnected. And so we come and we praise and we worship the one and true God. And so, Lord, I so thank you for what you're doing in everyone here's lives, what you're doing in this church. Thank you, Lord, with you, the best is always yet to come. Oh, no matter what our situation is, no matter what our fears are, no matter what our problems are, the best is yet to come because one day we're going back to be in your arms. And the one who knew us before we were in our mother's womb will know us beyond the grave and will recognize us because you are our salvation. Hallelujah. What a Savior. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, 
please visit thefreedomcenter.com.